going. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Uh, once again, as we continue on in our study through the Bible, we're working through the Bible together, a chapter at a time, and we uh, are nine years or so in, and we're up into Leviticus chapter 9. But uh, we did do the entire New Testament, so I wanted to clarify that, because if we just spent nine years on Genesis and Exodus, we were really going slow. So we did all the New Testament, and uh, we did Genesis, we did Exodus, now we're in Leviticus. Leviticus is a fascinating book, um, and what I'm encouraging you to do is try and think about how it applies to you. First, we do that with all the Scripture, but particularly the stuff here, because we know the Levitical system has been replaced by Jesus, and uh, it's a much better system. And so, um, and initially I had thought we would just kind of skim real quickly through Leviticus. I didn't plan on and doing this long, but as I got into it, um, it's quoted a hundred times in the New Testament, so we're going we're gonna to go through it, um, a lot of it together, and then we'll continue on. And uh, last week we started talking about um, uh, the, 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 the ordination of the priests, and we're going to continue that. Uh, and now, um, when we pick up the uh, the activities, um, when we start to read, this had been going on for seven days. You remember they, they brought them up front, Moses did, and they, they were all put into their priestly garments that we'd uh, read all about in uh, Exodus, and they've been ministering um, there at the temple now, or at the tabernacle, for seven days straight. And uh, sacrifices have been happening on all those days, and we talked about everything. And um, remember, their, their clothing was very colorful and, and uh, you know, e extravagant that was made for them uh, with lots of detail. Uh, and uh, so there for seven days now at the entrance to the holy place, uh, nonstop has been this, um, this ordination uh, sacrifice and ceremony and everything is happening. And, and so they are... Um, for the first time now performing their priestly acts. We've been reading about them for quite a while, but it's the first time that they actually started doing what they needed to do and what they were being called to do. And, and um, you know, think about this occasion now for all of Israel, and they're all going to gather there, all, whatever how many there are now, 2 million to 4 million as they, the estimates as, as they continue to um, kind of, you know, populate. They're all going to be there for this at the end, and um, this is after, not long after, they had, uh, remember, they'd gotten all the instructions for making the tabernacle and making all the garments, and then they'd really taken a huge step backwards with the golden calf. Remember, they had, Moses had been gone for a while, and they, they had all these neat instructions of what God was going to do, and they, they went their own way and made the golden calf, and it was a huge time of repentance and sorrow, and would God continue to, to you know, be with them, and would they continue on this journey? And, and, um, and now, you know, and they, even the stone tablets had been lost, you know, broken, and, and now that's been restored, and the instructions have been carried out that they were given, and everything is back on go. And um, the glory of the Lord is, is going to appear to them from within the tabernacle. Uh, and so um, God was about to make his residence in the most holy place in this tabernacle. And this was huge. And at some level, this was a, it was sort of a picture um, of the, the kind of fellowship that, that people had once experienced in the garden. 
was a picture. Now, it was, their innocence was gone, and so everything was different, and there was a lot that had to go happen. And so, you know, understand all of it, all of their relationship with God now was going to be constantly intermingled with the sacrifice um, of many types for sin. But at least the presence of God was close again, you know, and, and um, was sort of there at some level. Um, now, they, they couldn't experience it the way we do. Um, because, you know, of what Christ has done, which is why I say, you know, we have a much better thing going on, that we actually have access to the most holy place in Christ, the Bible tells us now, and they didn't, but at least he was there at some level. So it was a big deal um, of what was taking place now at this period in time. So, you know, get a sense of that, of that's what's happening. This was a huge deal. It was, a, it was an amazing ceremony, and the presence of God was going to come and dwell in their tabernacle. So let's, uh, let me look at Leviticus 9 with you, 24 verses. I'm reading out of the NIV, and uh, you can follow along. Uh, this should come up on the screen or on your notes or whatever your translation might be that you prefer. That's good. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, Take a bull calf for your sin offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them before the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, Take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering, to sacrifice before the Lord, together with a grain offering mixed with oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. They took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and the entire assembly came near and stood before the Lord. And then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Moses said to Aaron, come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people, and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. And so Aaron came to the altar and slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. His sons brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar. The rest of the blood he poured out at the base of the altar. On the altar he burned the fat, the kidneys, and the coverings of the liver from the sin offering, as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned up outside the camp. Then he slaughtered the burnt offering. His sons handed him the blood, and he sprinkled it against the altar on all sides. They handed him the burnt offering piece by piece, including the head, and he burned them on the altar. He washed the inner parts and the legs and burned them on top of the burnt offering on the altar. Aaron then brought the offering that was for the people. He took the goat for the people's sin offering and slaughtered it and offered it for a sin offering as he did with the first one. He brought the burnt offering and offered it in the prescribed way. He also brought the grain offering, took a handful of it and burned it on the altar in addition to the morning's burnt offering. He slaughtered the ox, ox and the ram as the fellowship offering for the people, his sons handed him the blood, and he sprinkled it against the altar on all sides. But the fat portions of the ox and the ram, the fat tail, the layer of fat, the kidneys, and the covering of the liver, these they laid on the breast, and then Aaron burned fat on the altar. Aaron waved the breast and the right thigh before the Lord as a wave offering, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Blessed be the word of the Lord.
So, with that in mind now, don't forget last week um, I, I, we talked about the fact that, that now we're all called into the priesthood in Christ. And First uh, Peter 2, 9 and 10, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So I want you to think about, in, in, uh, as we look through these offerings, um, this, this whole process of what the, the priestly ministry looked like and the fact that um, all of us now in Christ are called to be part of the royal priesthood. And so um, what's happening here in the first part of chapter 9, in those first 20 or so verses, is um, that... The, the people were being challenged to prepare to meet God. God had promised to meet them, to reveal Himself, and, and, and give them a deep sense of His presence. But before God could reveal Himself, the people had to prepare to meet Him. And, and so God doesn't meet with people um, in, in that sort of intimate way until their hearts and their lives are um, cleansed from sin. And that happens for us in Christ. So, so God grants the fullness of His presence to those who He sees as pure and clean. We talk about this all the time. Uh, who've been forgiven for their sins um, through the sacrificial substitute. That's what was happening there. But we know for us that our sacrificial substitute was Christ. And so I'll say this all the time. Once you come to know Christ, justification. God chooses to see you in the perfection of His Son. That's why we have access to His presence, because that's what's taking place in us. But, but here now things are different, and, and so there's this sacrifice, this substitutionary sacrifice that has to keep going on all the time. In fact, think about this. All these sacrifices have been happening for seven days, right? Boom, 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 boom. All day, night, sacrifice, sacrifice. You know what happens on the eighth day, brand new day? You know what they got to do? More sacrifice. Why? Well, it's a picture of the, the necessity of having um, the, the idea that they, they need um, their, their sin covered, paid for, dealt with, and it happens at this point in time through the substitutionary sacrifice, but it's not the one of Jesus because Jesus did it once and for all. So they're doing it constantly. Just, you know, think about that in the process and how blessed we are um, to have Jesus um, and yet at the same time, and I said this last week, never take it for granted that, that we're not having to do all of this all the time because of what Jesus did in the process. Imagine how different life would be if this was still the, the way that we related to God. It would just, everything would be so completely different. So um, what's going on here is that the Aaron and all the people sort of need to walk in this open confession before the Lord, a reality that we need Jesus desperately, and we always will. And, and, um, and so that's sort of the, the idea that we have to get, that we, we need to be aware of how desperately we need Jesus in our lives. And, and so for them, it was a picture of a continual um, cleansing from sin that was necessary, and that cleansing comes to us from the Lamb of God in the process. And they were being prepared. All of that was so that, they, uh, so that God could reveal Himself to His people. That's in verse 4. And so, you know, God wants His people to experience His presence. That's, that's part of the whole deal. 
And he wants to reveal his glory uh, to them. And he wants, the, you know, walking through life, you know, well, full, abundant. We talk about that all the time. And um, they are marching now. They're going to begin this march towards the promised land, which is a sort of a symbol of eternity for us. It's a sort of a, you know, our, our promised land is, is our eternal life with him. And he wants them to be able to conquer the trials and the temptations and the things they're dealing with. And for people to know that he cares for them and he's looking out for them and he will reveal himself to them in the process. And, and yet what he wants from them is to prepare themselves to meet God. That's, that's sort of the condition. And so when we think about our um, role as priests now, it's, it's pretty much the same. Um, our message is the same. We want, we want to tell people they need to be prepared to meet God. That's what we do. That's our mission, right? They need to, they need to prepare to meet God. And the way they do that is to come to Christ. That's... That's the only way to do that. And so that's the good news, and that's the message we have. The people, you know, they had to seek forgiveness of sin. And all those offerings that we've been reading about now are for all, and all for their different things are happening through the process. Um, they were going to seek forgiveness through the sacrifice of the sin offering. In, in, uh, and, and that sacrifice was, was put to death for the sins of the people, and their sins were forgiven because of the sacrifice the substitute bore the, the judgment against sin for them. And again, it's a picture of Jesus, of his dying for the sins of the world. And so part of our preparation to meet God is that we seek forgiveness from sin um, by coming to know Jesus. Uh, in in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So um, just as they were to prepare with the sin offering, we're to be aware of, uh, of the fact that our sins, you know, need to be forgiven in, in order to experience the presence of God. Then the people, in verse 16, they had to seek the atonement uh, or reconciliation with God through the sacrifice of the burnt offering. So their sins needed to be forgiven, and then not only forgiven, the atonement is sort of knowing that they're covered uh, in, in a way. And, and the Israelites were, were guilty of rebellion against God, just as we're guilty of rebellion. Anytime we choose to do our own thing, it's, it's rebellion in the process. And, and so they'd, they'd chosen to walk their own way, just like we do, do their own thing. We do that, seek fleshly pleasures. All those things were happening. And that unrighteousness that separated us from God, um, and, and yet the atonement or reconciliation with God is now possible through, through Christ because Jesus has paid um, the ransom for us. Uh, uh, he's paid the price for our sins. So not only has he done what we need to be forgiven, he's done what we needed to be reconciled to God. He's our atonement in the process. But they had offerings. They had the sin offering, and then they had the burnt offering. Um, we have those in Christ. Then there was this... Uh, thank offering that they gave uh, or the grain offering was happening. That would happen in verse 17. And, and so because their sins had been forgiven and because they'd been atoned for and they were reconciled to God, they were thankful. And that's what came up in this grain offering. It was a sign of thankfulness. And, and it was about um, not only being thankful but dedicating their lives to God in the process. And, and so the the, you know, as we've read about, the grain offering was laid upon the sacrifice on the altar. And, and so the, 
the 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 odor, the aroma, the grain, and the and the meat roasting would all rise up to heaven in the process. And, and um, it was a picture the, uh, of a couple of things: the offering um, of thanksgiving for the atonement um, for, for being reconciled to God, um, and for God's provision that they could have things to offer uh, to them. And the, the the laying of the grain on the on the sacrifice uh, also sort of pictured a. Um, a laying of one's life on the altar before God. So it was a, you know, it was a, a sort of an act of dedication. So it was thanks, this grain offering was about being thankful and dedicating our lives to Him, saying, God, we're yours, and come and use us in the process. So, um, you know, same sort of things are continuing in our life. We, you know, we, we realize we've been forgiven um, because of what Jesus has done, and then um, we've been reconciled to God because He's paid the price. Uh, not only to cover our sin, but to put us back in relationship with God that we have in Him. And so we're to be a thankful people, and, and part of that thankfulness is realizing that, that we're to offer our lives to Him continually in order to meet God. And so we give thanks uh, to Him in the process as they did, and, and uh, we, we, you know, every day it's sort of a, God, my, my life is yours. Um, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I love these verses, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're to come and, as Paul said, to dedicate our lives to Him. We're going to be looking more at that verse this weekend, if you're coming back. Then, um, from that offering, and so this is the how these offerings always sort of work together, the sin offering, the burnt offering, the grain offering, which was an offering of thanks and dedication. And then, then there, the next offering was the fellowship offering or the peace offering that said, you know, God, we want to walk in your peace and in your presence and in your fellowship. And, and, um, and so, you know, part of the way that we, we prepare to meet God uh, and continue to, to have this life with Him is to continue to grow in, in the peace of God. We spent a lot of time just recently on the weekends talking about peace and, um, you know, peace, the peace of God and peace, peace with God and peace of God that we experience and we're to be at peace with others. And I, I read you these verses then, my, uh, my, some of my favorites. I always say that about a lot of Scripture, but Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, um, you know, we're to continue to experience and grow in the peace of God. And it's, again, part of our, our desire to, to have life with Him, that these are the things that should be taking place. And, and you know, that we want to know Him more. In, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And we spent a lot of time talking about how meals are, are about fellowship and that we have this, uh, uh, this sort of amazing promise of, of Jesus wanting you know, us to open the door so that we can hang out together and fellowship together in the process. And then uh, verses 22 through 24 there was a, a blessing pronounced upon the people, and, and, um, uh, and then the presence of the Lord um, came on the folks. And they were, 
they were stricken with, uh, they experienced awe and fear, you know, excitement. They were, they were in awe, and then, then they sort of realized, it's, it's the presence of God. And, the, you know, if you, if you just saw the flame sort of kick out of the presence and devour all the stuff on the altar, most of you would do what they did, right down on their faces. And uh, um, because the reality of being in the presence of God like that is, and what that means is, is so overwhelming uh, on the journey. And then uh, in verse 22, he, uh, as soon as all the offerings had been made, uh, Aaron um, prays a blessing over the people. And uh, so it doesn't say what the blessing is, but, you know, the, the, these first five, and, and lots of places in the Bible, they're not exactly chronological. We've talked about that, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There's events that are happening in those five that are all over the place. It's like, because Moses is writing it, at some point, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, after it's all happened. It, he took notes, apparently, because it says in there he does, but he's putting it all together at some point afterwards, and there's so many things that he has to remember. He'll, he'll kind of put them in different letters, and he'll be referring back and forth. But I, I'm pretty sure because God taught Aaron how to pray this blessing over his people, I think some of you have heard it, probably, number 6, 22 through uh, 26. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You've all heard that, right? So that's the priestly blessing. And I'm sure that's what he prayed because that's how he was taught to pray. And that was a blessing. And, and uh, um, it's a very powerful blessing. The Lord appeared at that point in time, um, you know, and uh, they were just, I'm sure, receiving the blessing. And boom, the Lord shows up. And there they go. The Shekinah glory of the Lord fell on them. And this like lightning bolt of, of miraculous fire shot out from the presence of the Lord, consumed the offering uh, on this, uh, the sacrifices on the altar. And they were, like I said, startled and shocked and ultimately a little fearful. But um, God had shown up. And so the point was that, that God met his people. He revealed himself. He manifested himself. Um, he, he gave the people a, a deep, um, intimate sense of his presence as they met with the Lord. And so they had sought God, and God had met them there. He'd forgiven their sins. Uh, in Leviticus 9.15, he had reconciled them to himself. We saw in verse 16, he'd accepted their thanksgiving and their commitment to him. In verse 17, um, he, he had seen that they were seeking more of him and his fellowship and his peace. In verse 18, and so he meets them uh, in a very special way. All of it was happening through the substitute sacrifice. Uh, and so everything that's going on, there's a picture of what Jesus is going to do. And that, you know, ultimately the presence of God is available to people who prepare themselves in Christ to, to be with Him. And, and that's how we get to experience the presence of God in our lives, which is an amazing, wonderful, incredible awesome thing. And, and um, you know, my constant prayer and hope is that you, you do that, that you don't get so distracted with the busyness of the world that you don't take time to just kind of hang out in His presence because of, you know, it's one of those things that's so amazingly available to us in Christ that it, we can almost sort of not. And, and uh, let me encourage you, seek after the Lord all, the, all that you can all the time, when, whenever you can, because there's nothing quite like it. 
But anyway, that's enough of that for Leviticus 9. We'll pick it up there when we get back next week. If you're watching by video, thanks for doing that. Love for you to come and see us. If you need prayer, go to the webpage, and uh, that you can uh, put your prayers in there, and we will pray for you. But that's where we're going to end it for today.